Welcome back to Ladies in Red and Arsenal Women's Podcast. We had a bit of an unplanned week off last week. Unfortunately, that was thanks to, or rather no, thanks to the pretty hectic schedule. Couldn't really fit in the time to record um, with the games that were going on, but that's no problem. Plenty, plenty to talk about today before we go into the international break. So something to keep, you know, keep you keep you busy if you're missing some some WSL action or Arsenal Women action in the meantime. Um, three is definitely the magic number this week. What do I mean by that? Three games to go through. There was three goals in all of them. But the main question is, did we manage to pick up all three points in our last two WSL fixtures and Conti Cup game? Well, that is the question. And we're going to be looking at that and much, much more in this week's episode. Let's get straight into it and start off with that Brighton game in the WSL on match day seven. So that was last weekend. I'm going to go through the team news first. Some exciting news there. This was Mead's first start back since her injury and Kyra Cooney-Cross's first start in the WSL since joining us. Um, in goal, we had Zinsberger. We had a back four of Katie McCabe on the left, Wubin Moy, Illestet as centre-back pairing, Maritz on the right. Midfield, we had Palova, Cooney-Cross and Alessia Russo was sitting in just behind Blackstein who started up front on the right we had Beth Mead and on the left Caitlin Ford now pretty strong team um I thought it was really really good Brighton I mean uh, it's tough one because they haven't had the most impressive starts so far this season however they did manage to pick up all three points away to Man City uh the week before this game took place so kind of coming in with a bit of form but just some pre-match facts that I've got from the Arsenal website Brighton have lost all 10 of the WSL League games against us. We have won all five of our WSL uh, games against Brighton without conceding a single goal while managing to score 20 ourselves. Uh, It's the most a team has played away against another without conceding in WSL history. And only Aston Villa have dropped more points from winning positions in the WSL this season than Brighton, while we have won the most from losing positions, if that makes sense. Um, a lot to go on there. Like I said, Brighton haven't had the most incredible start, but they did come into the game on the back of relatively good form. I mean, what's relatively good form when we talk about it in terms of one game, but they did manage to pick up that win against City. Uh, and we've we've been doing pretty well in WSL also. It doesn't feel like it. I feel like we can play in an awful lot, but uh, <laughs> when we look at it objectively... Apart from that one loss at the at the very beginning and a draw against United, we've gone undefeated in four games, so we can't really complain about that. The first goal in that game came in the 12th minute, and thankfully it was scored by an Arsenal player, <laughs> Sina Blackstinius, and I mean, it was probably one of the funniest goals you're ever going to see in your life. Katie McCabe fired across into the box. No one attacked it, but it wasn't really cleared out by the defence. It was just kind of swatted away. It fell to Blackstinius, who completely miskicked the ball. Now, when I say miskicked, there was a whole... 360 degrees turn um which is not great to see but you know no one closed her down or even tried to get near her and she still managed to get the shot off on on her second attempt she fired it into the top corner good for her absolutely you know keep your head held high if at first you don't succeed try try again but really embarrassing from from Brighton um I mean she completely miskicked the ball like I can't describe this anymore completely miskicked the ball and still she was able to score from that situation because no one closed her down and prior to this game she'd scored five in her last WSL games against them in her last three WSL games against them excuse me so I mean it was always written in the stars that she was gonna that she was gonna score here as well 
I thought Arsenal played really, really well in the first half. There was really good examples of the intensity that they, that they that, uh, the team is playing with at the moment. They found it very easy to go forward and they won almost every single battle in that midfield area. That being said, I did think Brighton had a good few chances as well. Particular effort in the second half that was worth mentioning came from a very strong press. They won the ball just over the halfway line and with a very aggressive run, they made it all the way into the box. The final pass was sent diagonally to an oncoming player, but thanks to an unbelievable tackle, completely sublime, uh, from no no other than Alessio Russo, our number 10 on the day. We saw the ball go out for a corner rather than into the back of the net. And it was an exceptional piece of play. I mean, really an amazing tackle. I think if a defender had done it, we would have been, you know, giving them their 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 accolades as well. But the fact that it was Russo tracking all the way back and covering that, it just shows how important she is to this team. Really, really great to see. We did see, um, we did come very, very close, I mean, to scoring Mead's score, her very first goal since coming back from her long-term injury. It was a really great ball up um, the pitch from Wubin Moy, which Stina ran onto, collected it well, made a great run and squared it across to Beth, who sent it over the bar. It really felt like that was the moment she was going to score. But look, there's plenty more games to get through, so hopefully we might see another goal from her this weekend. Um but yes, absolutely. There was a lot more chances that came in the second half then. Russo was inches away from a tap-in. Came from a really great burst from Pelova, who looked like she had so much energy in this game, really. She looked so, so good. Like I said, the whole midfield was essentially dominated by the by the Arsenal players, in particular Pelova and Cooney Cross, who I'm going to talk about a little bit later on. Um, but exactly, Pelova? Uh, oh, God. Pelova? Pelova? Pavlova, what is this girl called? Uh, <laughs> Pelova. Uh, Pelova made a great run, sent the ball across the box. It was hard to believe, hard to believe that it was still 1-0 at this stage because Russo was just inches away from tapping it in, inches away. Honestly, it was it was crazy. But like I said, it was really hard to believe that we weren't more ahead in this game. But we didn't have to wait that much longer. In the 80th minute, um, Finally, one of our chances was converted. That was thanks to Caitlin Ford, who shot from outside the box after capitalising on a mistake from Brighton. It was a pretty poor pass, dangerously close to their own goal. It was no easy finish, don't get me wrong, and Ford put it away in some style. It was a really, really great finish from her. Uh, third goal of the day came in the 95th minute, so we weren't done there yet, when Brighton didn't have much more to give, really. I thought they they, they played pretty well. They defended you know, apart from the first goal that they conceded, they defended pretty solidly throughout the game. But just towards the end of the game, you could see that they were they were tired. They were they they weren't able to keep up with I suppose the creativity that some of the players who came off off the bench brought to the Arsenal team. So uh, it was a very well worked goal. It came from a Steph Catley throw-in that was helped off the head of a Brighton player. It landed at Russo's feet. She made a very similar run to what we saw um, <clears throat> Blackstinius do earlier in the game firing it across the box to Lacasse, who came on in the 64th minute for, for Beth Mead. Um, and she very unselfishly laid it off to Frida Manum, who came on for Blackstinius in the 65th minute, uh, who was able to score the third of the night. And that's how um, the game finished. 3-0, our first clean sheet of the season in the WSL. Only clean sheet of match day seven as well, thanks to an amazing tackle, tackle by Russo. Fewer shots on target, which I'm going to go through now in a second, but it was still obviously a great, 
confidence boost for Zinsberger, who hasn't had the greatest of starts. So just going through the stats of the game, Arsenal had in total 21 shots in comparison to Brighton's seven. We had four on target, they had two, and we enjoyed 59% of the possession overall. I think the biggest takeaway from the game, however, had to have been Kyra Cooney-Cross's performance. Oh my God, she was sublime. Picking up the player of the match accolade, I think, you know, there was no disputing that. It was very well deserved. She told Sky Sports after the game, I'm happy to be playing. The start was a bit hard, but look at the team I'm playing in. I've got some amazing players to train with every day, like Leah and Kim, Beth, Viv, Steph and Kathleen, um, Caitlin. Sorry, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble reading people's names today. It couldn't get much better than that. And look, like I said, it's really great to see her coming in. It's very tough competition. Uh, she came in for Leah Valti, who was carrying a bit of a knock. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we go forward um, in terms of rotation, playing players who are in form and who deserve to start because the team was built for Champions League football. That's another point I'm going to get onto in a second when we start talking about the Southampton game that came up in the Conti Cup because the Squad depth that we have now, something that we we definitely missed last season with all the injuries we had, but the squad depth is definitely there now. And it's really great to see, of course, it's really, really great to see. But then you do wonder, okay, without Champions League this year, how many players are going to be, you know, happy to continue on the bench if if, uh, everyone's fit? Aside from that, let's have a quick look at the other results from that weekend that was on match day seven. Like I mentioned, the first result of the weekend that was also the men's international, which is also worth noting because normally the the games tend to be, I don't want to say of higher quality, that's not what I mean, but they tend to have a lot more derbies or, you know, games that are a bit more weighted that would probably attract the audience that would be watching men's football. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. But I'll go through the games anyway. We had Chelsea-Liverpool was the first game that weekend. Chelsea won that game 5-1. Uh, Chelsea were at home, but still that's a pretty impressive result considering how much we struggled against Liverpool. Nevertheless, Leicester and Spurs that finished 1-1. West Ham lost to Aston Villa. Villa picking up a much-needed three points. They won that game 3-2. Everton and Bristol City, that ended in a draw, 2-2. And I suppose the match of the weekend was, of course, the Manchester Derby. Manchester United playing in Old Trafford against Man City, who, despite having a red card, won the game 3-1. So really, really, you know, interesting results there, I'd say. Great win for City, very good win for Chelsea. But as I mentioned, we were the only team to keep a clean sheet. And keeping the clean sheet against Brighton is no easy task. As I mentioned already, we were in some midweek action against Southampton in the Conti Cup as well. That was on last Thursday. Heavy rotation was expected and that's absolutely what we got. There was nine changes in the starting 11 from the win on Sunday over Brighton. So I'll just run through the team there. We had D'Angelo starting in goal. Catley in at left back, Codina, Bishi and Moritz retained her, her starting position on in, in the team. In midfield, we had um, Kue, Manum and Valti. And up front, we had Alessio Russo, Lacasse on the right, and then Lina Herting starting on the left. I mean, that's an exceptionally talented second choice team, if that's what we can call it. And I think it's a good reminder that, you know, this this team is ready for European football when it comes. So hopefully next season, because I can't I can't keep doing this. Um, that being said, it gives us a great chance to rest some players, particularly those who are maybe are being overused or who are coming back from injuries. So 
It was really great to see that. Notable misses on the bench and starting at 11 include Black Stinius and Kim Little. Both were out with minor knocks. This was a record crowd for Southampton Women's at St. Mary's Stadium, the fifth consecutive away game that Arsenal have played in that has attracted a record crowd for the hosts. We're massive. I think, you know, when you look at the teams, obviously Chelsea have dominated in terms of what they've won over the past few years. But I think Arsenal women, there's there's this affinity around them that, you know, they are the best team to have ever existed in English women's football. And, you know, one thing that I think about as well is, you know, you have a lot of English players playing there, but you also have a lot of English players playing in City or playing in Chelsea, for example, as well. And whatever Arsenal are doing to make the, the women's team so attractive, it's working. I don't know what it is, but it's really, really working. And you see a lot of crowds get excited to go watch these players play some top quality players, some of the best in the world. So that obviously plays a part as well. But it's really great to see that there is this aura, there is this energy around this team that that people want to go see, people want to watch them. And, you know, we might not be the most decorated club over the past few years, but I would say we're probably the most celebrated. So great experience for anyone who was in the stadium. But for those of us watching at home, yikes, <laughs> it wasn't so good. We had to pay two pounds, two pounds, uh, I with the exchange rate that was like one euro 20. So I don't really care that much, but still funny uh, to watch the match on the Southampton website. Very strange. Um, I don't understand why there was a paywall. I really don't. I can't believe I gave my personal data and hard-earned money to Southampton to watch a League Cup game, particularly last year in the men's when they took like four points from us. But anyway, um, the things I do for this club, the things I do for content. But <laughs> yeah, it was a strange one. It was a very, very strange one. I didn't understand that. I wouldn't mind it if the game was good, but it was certainly one of those very uncomfortable watches that we are getting so used to seeing this season, which is so frustrating. In the first half, there there were a few half chances and Southampton looked well up for it. For some context, uh, Southampton are playing in the Women's Championship currently. Um, they're in third place, only one point off the top, which is really, really impressive. I mean, they're fairly new in this league after winning promotion from the FA Women's National League South in 2022. It's going very good for them and they put on a really, really good performance against Arsenal. I have to say there were some players who really, really stood out. The first goal of the day actually came from Southampton in the 55th minute. Uh, definitely was a spanner in the works for us. Uh, not what many of us had had on the cards, but look, it's Arsenal at the end of the day. What what, what, what else are we meant to expect? The ball, she, uh, the ball was won back in midfield and it was sent up to Pike, who had a really good game. That was one name that definitely stood out to me on the night. I thought she was exceptional. She did get by BD, probably could have done more in the situation, but let's not take anything away from her finish. She chipped into the top corner and there was very little that D'Angelo could do really. Look, lovely goal. I think they did deserve to score on the night. Um, obviously disappointing for us in terms of quality. You know, obviously we're pay playing, I don't say a lesser team, but maybe not the first starting 11 that we would choose, but still the quality is definitely there. And yeah, it looked a bit, a bit lax. It looked a bit not bothered at some stages in the game. And I think from that goal, it definitely spurred the girls on. They realized it wasn't going to be as easy as they probably thought. Look, uh, only four minutes later, Mana managed to score from a very tight angle after a pass from Hertig was deflected and fell nicely to her, putting us back on level. And credit to Southampton throughout the game, they kept attacking and pushing and they didn't really want to settle for the point. Um, 
So just for context, how the group stages of the League Cup works. Uh, if the game ends in a draw, for example, penalties are taken and the winner gets a bonus point. So Southampton could have easily sat back, defended deep and tried to go for that and hope to get, you know, the two points from from the penalty kick. Uh, but they didn't want to do that. They played really, really well. It was a bit unfortunate for Southampton. The fairy tale night was not meant to be. And in the 92nd minute, Amanda Illestad, I'm really having difficulties with names today, uh, scored her first goal in an Arsenal shirt. And look, of course it was from a corner. Of course it was in off her head. What else would you expect? That's exactly what we bought the Swede for. She was one of the top goal scorers in the, w- in the World Cup this summer. Thanks to her set piece expertise. And it's something that we as a team have definitely been missing since Raffaele has left to join uh, Orlando. Really great to see her finally getting on the score sheet. And it was a massive goal. You know, we got the three points in the end. And it was definitely worth my, what was it, £2, €1.20 that I spent to watch it. Yeah, again, Arsenal coming in with the late goals, not making things easy for themselves. But at the end of the day, the win's the win. We got those three points. And here is how Group D is shaping up. Arsenal are sitting in second place, joint top with Spurs who actually have a better goal difference than we do both of us have won both of our two games so we both have six points if that makes sense Uh, Southampton are in third place with four points Uh, they've played three games Bristol in fourth place with one point and then at the very bottom is Reading FC with zero points so yeah we will be back in action following the international break which I'll be speaking a little bit more a little bit more about afterwards but let's get on to our final game of the week that (laughs) an action-packed week like I said but last game to speak about today is our home match against West Ham in the WSL this weekend just gone. The team was fairly unchanged from the WSL clash the weekend before apart from Alessia Russo who was playing up front she was in for Black Stinius who was still out with a minor knock so the way we lined up was Zinsberger, McCabe, Illerstadt, Wubmoy, Catley at the back, Pelova and Cooney Cross in the middle with Manon playing that number 10 role, Mead on the right, Ford on the left and Alessia Russo up top. So look, we're very used to late drama in games this season, you know, getting last minute winners, but not this time around, not this time around. We got on the score sheet within the first two minutes. It came from an early corner, which was cleared out, but not very convincingly. Cooney Cross managed to collect the ball, pass it to Manum, who was standing outside the box and her shot come cross. I'm not really sure what she was trying to do, made his way into the back of the net. It was spectacular. It is also worth mentioning that we are up against a debutante and goal in Megan Walsh, who was in for Aussie Mackenzie Arnold. Pretty solid keeper. Uh, so, you know, maybe a more experienced keeper would have gotten something on it to prevent it going in. It was a serious attempt, if that's what it was. Uh, I'm really was I'm, I'm not sure. Even watching it back, I think it probably was more of a cross. But look, it was a beautiful goal. Very Katie McCabe-esque, which we love to see. And I'm really delighted for Manum. Two goals in two games for her. I've said it before. I am a massive fan of hers. Um, I think she was so crucial and important for us last season. She's had a bit of a slow start, you know, getting getting back on track this season. She's not the only one. There's been a few players. I think, you know, Caitlin Ford is another player who hasn't really been firing on all cylinders the same way she was last season. But I think in terms of Manum, with Russo coming in and Miedema back from injury, her starting position is almost up for grabs. You know, that number 10 role, which she really dominated last year. There is talk of interest from some potential European suitors. You know, PSG, I think, was one of the names that was mentioned. But I really hope she stays for our sake because I think she's an exceptional player and she's she just has this quality about her that I think it's going to be really, really difficult to 
to find another player, to be completely honest. West Ham came very, very close to getting an equaliser from a good cross in and a glancing header that thankfully came off the woodwork because, to be honest, Zinsberger was completely planted and wouldn't have got to that. This all happened within the first five minutes. I, I came home, <laughs> I was out and I came home to watch the match and I actually had missed the first goal because I, not that I disregarded how we start games, but I thought, you know, better to, to get the end of it than the beginning. I was so wrong. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> but um, yeah, despite Manum's incredible goal, good defensive performance, there was only one name on everyone's lips after this game. And that was, of course, Beth Mead. In her second start back in the WSL, she made it onto the score sheet in the 18th minute. The ball was sent up from deep from Cooney Cross, our little midfield maestro. She's really dominating that role. And found Beth Mead, who shot from a pretty similar angle to Manum not long before her, and found the top corner. It was a rocket. It was an absolute rocket. And Meadow Park erupted. It clearly just shows how much she means to the team, how much it means to have her back to all the fans. Uh, it was a really great goal, and it was lovely she could dedicate it to her mom who passed away in June. 428 days since her last WS goal. One goal just wasn't enough for her. It just wasn't enough. And in the 41st minute, after a really good bit of play from Arsenal, it has to be said, pressing high and not giving West Ham a second on the ball, capitalising on all these little mistakes, um, mostly on the left-hand side, to be honest. So Ford, Catley, really, really good pressing. We capitalised on a very poor back pass to one of the defenders. Russo got to the ball ahead of ex-Arsenal player Lisa Evans. She carried it expertly along the byline and got it into the box to none other than Mido. Now, her first touch wasn't great, but she had no problem finishing. It was her second, Arsenal's third, and we had finally had a decent first half performance in the WSL. It feels like we've been waiting a long time for that. Arsenal did get lucky in the second half. The post coming to the rescue yet again. Illestadt, who scored in our previous game, obviously from that header, she flicked on a shot almost perfectly into her own net, but uh, thankfully it hit the frame. It was a close call towards the end of the game as well, where there was a bit of chaos around a corner, flopping, players coming in. Uh, Zinsberger did well to keep it out, and that was pretty much it. There wasn't much more in the second half, particularly from Arsenal. I felt like we kind of changed gear. We were happy just to keep it as things were, rather than go and push for more goals. Look, the game ended 3-0, second week in a row, second clean sheet for Zinsberg and our defence. I think things are looking up, you know? What, what does that mean, things are looking up? We're now nine games unbeaten. That's so serious. That's a really, really great run when you consider how, I suppose, unconvincing and desperate some of our wins have been. But let's go through the stats. Maybe that will make it a little bit clearer. Despite our excellent start, we had 14 shots on, 14 shots in total compared to their 13. Six on target, they had three, and we did enjoy 59% of the possession. But, you know, I think considering the dominant performance we had in that first half, I would have liked to come away with a few more goals. You do need that goal cushion in the WSL just to give you a bit more breathing space. Because as we're going to have a look now in a second, it is quite tight at the moment and goal difference does account for a lot. So let's have a look at some of the other results. For example, Man City bet Spurs 7-0. 7-0. You know, this is a team that obviously bet United the week before. They lost to Brighton. Their their form is really fluctuating at the moment. And I don't feel as though they have... They're not really getting those steady results that you need to be up there consistently. But 7-0 against Spurs is a massive result. Chelsea bet Leicester 5-2. Everton bet Aston Villa away 2-1. Liverpool bet Brighton 4-0. And Manchester United bet 
Bristol City away from home 2-0. So yeah, some pretty pretty decent results, I would say. I'm still getting over that Man City <laughs> shock against Spurs, but let's have a look at the table and what that means. So let's start from the top this week. Chelsea are obviously top. They've played eight games. They have 22 points. They're undefeated so far this season. But we are only three points behind them in second with 19 points. Behind us then is Man City with 16. And fourth is Manchester United with 15. Liverpool in fifth with 14 points. Spurs, despite that walloping that they got there in sixth with 12 points and then we start to move down Leicester in seventh with eight points Everton eighth with eight points Brighton are sitting ninth with seven points then we have Villa in 10th with six points and West Ham 11 with 11th with four points and then the bottom thanks to that goal difference but it's very tight is Bristol City they have the same number of points but they've conceded one more or one goal less in the goal difference if that makes sense you know what I mean um so yeah it's really really tight and I think it's definitely shaping up now I think we're kind of seeing the bones of how we expected it to look I'm still shocked that Aston Villa are so low down after eight games but you know that's just how it is I think top three is probably what you would expect to see come the end of the season. Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Manchester United are there thereabouts as well. Liverpool are pushing as well. I mean, they're in fifth, three points behind, two points behind Man City, actually. So, yeah, it's looking pretty interesting. And I think the results that we're seeing are anything far from, you know, boring, massive results coming in. And it's just showing you why it's such a really, really great league to watch. I love it. So what else is going on in the world of women's football where we're just going to deviate from the pitch for a small break in this normal transmission to talk about something massive that's gone on. And um, that would be Miedema's dog. <laughs> Beth Mead and Viv Miedema got a dog. Uh, I don't particularly want to focus on the players' private lives. I think that's really weird and creepy. And it's obviously something that a lot of people feel they're entitled to do, but that's... I don't know. I don't know. TikTok girlies. I'm not I'm not here for that. But this is something that I feel like needs to be addressed after the majority of the team have tweeted or Instagrammed about this. If you didn't know already, the two are in a relationship. And yeah, the toxic TikTok girlies, as I mentioned, they had been spreading some rumors prior to this announcement that the power couple had broken up. I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. But anyway, that was the rumors that was going around. And they really just said no ma'am not today I'm not putting up with this welcome to the family Mile Miedema I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right Miley Myla it's spelled like Kyle but it's probably not pronounced like Kyle Miley Myla Miedema anyway that was really embarrassing I'm really struggling with names today even the doggies um they posted Julie on Instagram about getting her they were not alone let me tell you that the, this puppy has met the majority of the team and has stolen the hearts of every single member of the Arsenal women's squad all the fans very very cute doggy and yeah some competition for win <laughs> win the dog some competition for him there but other than that what else do we have to look forward to yeah we have an international break coming up now 20 players are heading off on international duty notably we have to mention new dog moms Mead and Miedema will be playing a double header as the Netherlands and England face off to qualify for the Olympics that would probably be one of the most exciting matches to watch um what else yeah what do we have to look forward to when we're back from the break well it's relatively short december before the christmas break but it certainly is not an easy one let me tell you that our first game back is at home against chelsea on the 10th of december i know we're only a few games in match day seven match day eight whatever but 
it's massive for the title race. This is huge. We could either, if we win, go level on points with Chelsea or face a six-point gap that we have to try and claw back uh, during the duration of the season. I mean, obviously, we could also end up in a draw, but I don't think about that. I just want to think about winning. Um, After that, we have two North London derbies coming up. We face Spurs at home on December 13th in the Conti Cup and then three days later away in the WSL. Look, it's very tough. It's very, very tough. And provided there are no major injuries to report back on after international break, you know, I would be feeling pretty confident. I would be feeling pretty confident because we're on a very, very good run of form at the moment. One thing that is worth noticing, of course, is Sam Kerr. She has not travelled to join the Australian squad for the last two games of 2023. Our Australian players have joined, as far as I'm aware, and it's something to consider. Obviously, a lot of travelling for the girls were, if I'm correct, we are the first game then on the 10th of December, so an early kickoff as well. It's not easy. It's tough to expect you know, the same levels and the consistency and performances from players when they're being flown halfway across the world very very high level uh, demand from them in international level as well so it's tough but look let's deal with let's deal with that when when the time comes <laughs> i'm not thinking about that just yet go look at some key pictures of mile or miley uh, celebrate our undefeated run in the wsl and conti cup and enjoy the international break that's what i'm going to do anyway I will be back covering the break and our blockbuster versus Chelsea with hopefully some very good news in about a week's time. Three is the magic number and let's go for those three points again. As always, thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed. 